This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. We Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 682. Make sure that you buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com. Make sure that you give us a follow over on Twitter, at MarketOut, over on TikTok, at MarketOut11, and on Instagram, MarketOut11, and give us a like over on Facebook and wherever else you can find us on social media platforms. Make sure that you are subscribed and downloading over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you may be listening to your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. You know we deserve it. But that being said, I am one of your hosts, Dave, the Rave. And I want you to know to check out, besides MarkingOut.com, I want you to check me out at David PTDPT on all social media platforms. Make sure that you check out Chris Dog over on Twitter and CMSweeney85 on Instagram. And also... BTTG161 on all social media platforms. That being said, Brandon, how are you? I am almost awesome as always. Finally. Good to hear. Good to hear. <laughs> also, how was your week? I got a note, first of all, that uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. if you use the code MADNESS24 until March the 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can receive 20% off. And if you happen to buy merch over $150, you get free U.S. shipping. Jeez, if you buy merch over $150, I hope you get free shipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you should get an autograph with that bundle. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, my, I, I didn't really do much this week. I've just been recovering, drinking a lot of water, as per usual. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's really it. How about yourself? Um, my day was great. My week was great. Um, to my knowledge, I actually, I went to Vincent's Clam Bar. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, met up with some cousins over there, and it was delicious. If you haven't been to Vincent's Clam Bar, make sure you check it out. I'm iffy and on their sauce, next though. Week, their sauce is, like, sweet. I'm like, I, had I go the back lobster and kiss. Ah, well, so you're, I not liked getting it. The, you're not getting the red sauce there. No, no, no red sauce. Speaking of Vincent's, yeah, by I the way. Yeah, got the lobster kiss. Unrelated, uh, unrelated, yeah. unrelated to Vincent's, but in the Italian <laughs> category, I found out today that cannoli is a is a plural word. It's really? just widely accepted. Yeah, apparently cannolo is the is the singular form of cannoli. Cannolo? Yeah. Can I have a cannolo? That's weird. Yeah, I just Can found I get that a cannolo? out. I can't abide by that. Yeah, I, I it's just it's just it. widely accepted now that the singular form and plural is cannoli or cannolis, I guess. Yeah, excuse but me. I think, can I get one cannolo, please? Yeah, I think in Italian it's actually cannolo. I don't think that anybody would take you serious if you ordered one cannolo. I mean, maybe if you went to Vincent's and you're like, I don't, I don't even like cannolis to begin with, but oh man, maybe I if you went to cannoli. an authentic Italian gimmick and you're like, can I have a cannolo? They're like, ha, my goodness, it's on the house. <laughs> <laughs> that's possible that's possible but next week 
Uh, I will be going to Florida for Disney. That is right. I haven't been there in a long time and making my return to Orlando for Disney. Yeah, so we'll, I mean, most likely the, the show next week will be a mostly Chris episode. I will probably do some stuff for it, but I'll also be in Florida, so... So NXT yes. Roadblock will be covered on the, the week after that. Yeah. So let's get on to it. So this past weekend, we had Elimination Chamber take place in Perth, Australia. Everybody woke up early. More people than I expected woke up early for this one. I didn't expect to. I Can- went to sleep earlier, though, and I said in my brain, I'm like, if my brain wakes me up, I'll decide right then and there and my brain woke me up at 4 30 a.m and i got out of bed turned on the playstation 4 and i watched the whole event and i i i was very pleased with it yeah you know i didn't wake up wake up for it but chris and sal sent me a text at like 6 30 i think it was or 6 15 um i think sal was uh sal was because he usually wakes up like that early for work and Uh-oh. Chris we use our texting chain nobody else wants to be a part of because we start texting at like 6 a.m. Uh, <laughs> 6 a.m. like when I send messages to people you can either get a message at like 4 a.m. 5 a.m. 10 a.m. yeah <laughs> yeah that's for sure but yeah so elimination chamber a cool opener uh, and hype video for elimination chamber but First matchup, Kabuki Warriors picked the victory over the way to retain the vic- uh, retain the championships. I think that that was predictable, but yeah. also it was nice to see Indy Hartwell get that reception. It, it was nice to have the way have a crowd reaction for once. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought the the hot tag tease that they did throughout the match with Indy Hartwell was very nice. They did it several times, and the crowd mm-hmm. like exploded when she finally got tagged in and. Obviously, they were losing, but like you said, it was nice to hear that pop for Indy Hartwell. Yeah. First time, I think it was her first time wrestling there uh, as a WWE superstar. Yeah, I would believe that. Uh, The first match of the actual premium live event kicked off with the Women's Elimination Chamber, where the winner will go on to face Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. We had Becky Lynch pick up the victory. Over Naomi, Tiffany Stratton, Raquel Rodriguez, Bianca Belair, and Liv Morgan. It kicked off with Becky Lynch and Naomi, which was nice. And the the fans continued to sing Becky's theme song during the match. I thought that was cool. Um, I liked Naomi doing those head smashes into the chamber and then followed it Mm -hmm. up with that split-legged leg drop from the chamber. I thought that was cool. I agree. Tiffany Stratton was incredibly over. I mean, I was surprised by Tiffany's ovation from the crowd. They were so supportive of her throughout. Big time. And you then know, uh, I think for for me, Tiffany Stratton was the MVP of the match. Uh yeah, she did a lot of fun stuff. Liv Morgan got in there, went like balls to the wall. We saw Naomi commentary called it a sunset flip. But Naomi hit a blockbuster from the top of the pod on Liv Morgan. And then Tiffany Stratton pinned Naomi and got that huge ovation. And then Raquel was out next, and then finally Bianca Belair was was last. And Tiffany Stratton lined up like right away to to face her. 
Mm-hmm. And I liked the the counter DDT that Bianca Belair hit to Raquel Rodriguez during that suplex attempt. Liv Morgan ends up on the, the top of the pod. She hits that sent on to Raquel, who was draped across that top rope. I basically to avoid Becky and Stratton. Yeah, that that was probably one of my favorite spots of the match where Liv was on top of the cage, well, on top of the pod, and you had Becky and Tiffany climbing up on the other sides, going after Liv Morgan, and to evade them, she just does the uh, ascent on yeah. onto Rodriguez, who set up perfectly in the corner. I thought that that was great, and then what I liked most was Tiffany and Liv getting to the or uh, Tiffany and Becky getting to to the top of the pod, and like for a moment they looked at each other and then just started throwing punches at each other. Yeah, and Tiffany shoved Becky Lynch off that pod and then hit that swanton to Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, and Raquel Rodriguez. That was like, Mm -hmm. she. it's so great when she goes in there and like, I don't want to say doesn't care, but like does, like, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like not in a negative way connotation that she doesn't care she's just like she's accepting everything she does everything yeah it's like that I daredevil totally agree with you. I thought that mentality this... yeah I thought that was great and then we saw Liv Morgan yeah, and it's something I mm-hmm. hit that oblivion from the the middle rope to take Tiffany Stratton out and fans were pissed and off booze yeah yeah go figure Liv Morgan somebody who's a fan favorite and Tiffany who's Blade and heel, the fans booing the elimination of Tiffany, which I think says a lot about what the fans saw Tiffany doing in that performance. Yeah, like, and then, they appreciated what she was doing in there, which and, was cool. And then Bianca Belair took Raquel out with that KOD, and uh, I, I liked that that counter into the code breaker that Liv hit. Yeah. And uh, Liv Morgan rolled Bianca Belair up, and then Becky Lynch hit that manhandle slam right away to pick up that victory. And mm-hmm. fans were were pissed off that Naomi was the first one eliminated, and to me that just makes sense because she has really no stake in that match at all. Like, yes, she just no, had a big yeah. return, but Raquel Rodriguez, who also had a big return, was intertwined with storylines with Liv Morgan. And then people are like, well, Tiffany Stratton shouldn't have been it. Blah, 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 blah. Brother, she's the one person who should have been, like, p- pushed past the first elimination. You need to 100%, push. 100%. I mean. You need Tiffany Stratton to look good. You're trying to introduce yeah. her to that main roster. I didn't get it, but, uh, oh, I, I, of course I get it. It's the IWC. (laughs) (laughs) After that though, the judgment day picked up the victory. And by the way, I think that match was, uh, more enjoyable than the men's elimination chamber. Not to say that match wasn't good because I enjoyed both Mm -hmm. matches, but I thought that one was so much better. So, but the judgment day picked up the victory over British strong style to retain the tag team championships before the match. Dominic Mysterio grabbed the mic to introduce the Judgment Day, and the heat, it was like, I think Michael Cole said almost 100 degrees down there, but the heat that Dominic was getting, you could barely hear him. I thought that was fantastic. I love it. That was so good. And then the British Strong Style attacked Dominic, and uh, Dom ended up attacking Tyler Bate behind the referee's back. And ultimately, I thought this was a good match, because... Even though I didn't think that British Strong Style would be winning this, 
both teams mm-hmm. and, and in, like not even both teams. Well, both teams, yes, but uh, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn looked really good in this match. And this was this was Tyler Bates' first like huge premium live event match. So I think they they both shined in this big time. I liked when Dominic saved Finn Balor by putting his leg under the rope and like quickly ducked down and the referee threw him from ringside. That got a big pop from the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then we had that double south yeah. of heaven from the middle rope, followed by the coupe to Gras. And I thought that was a solid was cool. ending to the match. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Next up, you had the Grayson Waller effect, which was very entertaining, as you had Grayson Waller with Cody Rhodes. Austin Theory and, was part of this. Yeah, Austin Theory and Seth Rollins. Also, uh, UFC um, fighter Ty Tuivasa was ringside and did a shoey with Grayson Waller. I think shoeys are absolutely disgusting. Unless the sh- I mean yeah, in gross. the f- unless the shoe isn't really used, but at the same case, it's like ugh. yeah, it's gross. <laughs> but gross. but Seth um, Rollins but said yes. that he's literally just days away from being medically cleared. Uh, kind of crazy hearing all those people chant "Rocky sucks." Mm-hmm. But Cody challenged the Rock one on one, anytime, any place. And Seth Rollins was like, you, you know it's not going to be one-on-one, and I'll be there for it. So it just really seems like that's going to be set up into that tag team match. By the time SmackDown airs, it could be a tag team match. I have no idea. But Theory grabbed the mic and ended up getting put down by Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes. And Grayson Waller popped me big time. He backed up and just watched it all happen. Austin Theory. He didn't want any part of Cody and Seth. Yeah, I thought that that was that was a good call to have that take place too. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I thought that was awesome. And then and after also that, you had, you, but re- you also had Cody Rhodes saying that he wants to face The Rock one on one. Right, I said that. With, yeah, so I don't know where that's going to end up leading. Um. I don't know. Do you think that that's going to end up being like a night one kind of a deal or? No, I think that'll be the tag match. Oh, so you think that it's going to be, but you're so one night. Unless tag it's match, like in the corner night. of or something, but I still feel like it's, it'll be that tag match. And I feel like Bailey gets screwed. Mm. Because I truly I believe you. that Bailey should be getting that main event spot with EO. Yeah. They, they hardly talk about be Bailey good. being. The Raw Rumble winner. Yeah, I know. So it's annoying. Yeah, she's not even on the poster. I think they actually just added her recently. Thank goodness. I I think they amended that. But Drew McIntyre picked up the victory over Bobby Lashley, LA Knight, Kevin Owens, Logan Paul, and Randy Orton to win the Chamber. Uh, McIntyre now goes on to face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. This was Randy Orton's ninth appearance inside the Elimination Chamber. And uh, Michael Cole said that this was, he broke the tie for most appearances. Previously, they were tied to uh, him and Chris Jericho, which I, I really don't think I could have guessed that Chris Jericho was one of the two that had the most appearances inside of an, an elimination chamber. But, I mean, it's been, God, it's, I, been, yeah. it's been years, yeah. so over 20 years. So it's like, it's really crazy mm-hmm. that this match has been around that long already. 
Yeah, I agree. I liked uh, when Randy Orton came out for his entrance. He he went on top of the pod to taunt. I thought that was cool. But Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I liked I liked the entire aspect with like Cody, uh, Kevin Owens, being like, "Look up, look up," like yeah. to Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> like I thought that was funny. And then you had like clips of um, of Logan Paul coming out of him reacting to. LA Knight doing the LA Knight chant and everything. It just, it honestly, it looked like every single person in this match was having fun. Yeah, and uh, McIntyre, LA Knight started this match. Then uh, Kevin Owens joined, and I popped big time earlier in the, the day. They showed when he arrived to the stadium, he arrived holding a koala. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. But. Kevin gets into the match and almost immediately uses a choke slam because he had promised somebody that he met at a Make-A-Wish the day before that he would use that. So I thought that was really cool That's that cool. they added that in there. And I thought it was cool that Michael Cole gave us uh, background as to why Kevin Owens hit a random choke slam. But Bobby Lashley huh. was out next. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton followed him. He hit that hangman DDT to Kevin Owens on the outside of the chamber. And got to play up the the back. That's been a big thing in Randy Orton's career is that that back right now. Mm-hmm. Logan Paul, by the way, you mentioned him before, drawing on his pod to taunt Kevin Owens the whole time. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And he was the last one in. Kevin Owens ripped the pod door open and brawled with Logan Paul in there. Logan Paul tried his hardest to, like, have that door stay closed. <laughs> and I just thought what they did was yeah. really funny because they'd been going back and forth the whole match with Logan Paul in the, the pod still. So I think it was only fitting for those two to do that inside. And I mean, they've been going back and forth for a couple of weeks now on TV as well. So I thought that was yeah. good. Uh, the spear from Bobby Lashley to Logan Paul through the pod, I thought was crazy. I know we've seen awesome spots spot. like that before, but you don't and, expect to see something like that, I guess, perhaps, with Logan yeah. Paul. And I like how it was set up, too. It was like Lashley had a spot with somebody on the other pod, and then he turned around and you just see Logan Paul like standing there grabbing the fence, and the crowd like sees what's about to take place, and then you just have Lashley just spear him right through it. Yeah. I thought that was, that was great. Drew McIntyre hitting that Claymore over L.A. Knight to Bobby Lashley I thought was nice. But AJ Styles showed up and beat the hell out of LA Knight with a chair. And that the opportunity came about when they tried to get Logan Paul, not Logan Paul, they tried to get Bobby Lashley out of the chamber. And AJ showed up out of nowhere. He hit the Styles clash onto a chair and, and really took him out. And I was hoping to see more of Kevin Owens versus Logan Paul, but... Randy Orton took Kevin Owens out, and Logan Paul, we saw him hit that crossbody off the pod to Drew McIntyre, busted out some brass knucks, and out of nowhere gets dropped by that RKO. Uh, yeah. And then Randy Orton, awesome. he, he dropped uh, Drew McIntyre, and Logan Paul knocked out Randy Orton with the brass knuckles out of nowhere. So it seems like WrestleMania will probably maybe be Logan Paul versus Randy Orton. Maybe. I know a lot I, of people are hoping for LA Knight, but 
It's hard to see not see Kevin Owens involved with Logan Paul, though. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm perhaps Maybe we could see threat? Kevin Owens, L.A. Knight, and Randy Orton versus Logan Paul. I don't know. It fatal could be a triple way? threat. I'm, I'm calling fatal four way. You can't have a triple threat. Could be could be fatal four way too. You can't drop yeah. L.A. Knight if you're going to add Kevin Owens. That's true. Yeah, I think a fatal four way would be perfect for all of them. But uh, you know. Like I thought McIntyre would win. I, I had every match correct. We didn't even know that match with the Kabuki Warriors was going to be a thing, but I think the, the writing was on the wall I think there. We, uh, yeah, and we then would have predicted that one. After that, Triple H showed up, and he just thanked everyone for being there. He announced the attendance, which was higher than Taylor Swift. I don't know Take if that, uh, if that's a shoot attendance or not. Come to come to WrestleMania, rebuke that. <laughs> Let's hear the rebuttal. And then the main event of Elimination Chamber saw Rhea Bloody Ripley defending the championship against Nia Jax successfully. Uh, Rhea Ripley busted out some moves that we don't normally see her do, so I think that was pretty cool. She also used a frog splash in tribute to Eddie Guerrero. I think it's been. Uh, a few months or so since we've seen her do a frog splash. So, mm-hmm. I think so. I don't know. I don't think so. I, feel no, like, I think I it know. has been a few months. I don't know. But I, I thought that this match is great, and it's really cool because usually Rhea Ripley is the powerhouse of the matches, so when she's facing Nia Jax, she's not uh, the powerhouse over someone like Nia Jax. So I like that it gives Rhea Ripley a different transition to a matchup. And this was a really fun, awesome match and a great way to close out the pay-per-view and the the PLE and the fans were eating it up alive. The craziest spot in this match for me was Rhea Ripley gets hit with a Samoan drop on the commentary table. It does not break. Then Nia Jax stood up on an office chair that's on wheels and splashed Rhea mm-hmm. Ripley through the table. That's not an easy thing to do. Especially with wheels. Like, I've stood on my office chair before, and it's, like, very difficult to get balance on that. So, having yeah. to get balance just to stand versus having to get balance mm-hmm. to, to stand and then jump forward. I thought that was crazy, but Rhea Ripley hit that superplex, and then she hit the riptide and picked up the victory. And I thought this was a really good main event. People are still trashing Nia Jax, and I thought this was great. I think both of them came out looking great in this match. Yeah, go ahead. Trash Nia Jax all you want. We know the truth. And a lot of people were complaining about how little wrestling took place on this show versus how long the the actual event was and how many times WWE showed off uh, like tourism clips for Western Australia instead Mm -hmm. of having wrestling. But I didn't find the show to be dragging at all, especially for it to have been starting pretty much at 4.30 a.m. And going yeah. as long as it did, I didn't feel like it was, like, I never felt like, oh, I want this to be over already. Mm-hmm. Like, literally not once. And I very much so enjoyed all those segments with the tourism spots because they show off the country. It's an absolutely beautiful place. It's a pipe dream of a vacation for me. So if I can't see it in person and I could somehow experience it that way, I think I'm fine with that. Yeah. And I, I don't think it took away from the event at all. I, I don't and I no. don't see anybody that was actually at the event complaining about it. It's only these marks no. online. 
Yeah, everybody was a fan of the entire event. Yeah. But, but let's move on to some more wrestling talk, sports entertainment talk, depending on what you want to call it. You do the voice. But it is, <laughs> it is Monday Night Raw. Mm, Monday Night Raw. That is right. It kicked off with Dirty Dom. Dirty Dom just getting all that love from the fans. Yeah, introducing Rhea Ripley. So much love. She was obviously cheered, so it's cool to see that dynamic. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah, they're, they're separating the two. It's like, yeah, if she's the one getting cheered, they want her to stay being cheered against Nia Jax, obviously. Yeah, why not? And uh, they want Dominic to stay getting booed. So, But she celebrated her victory. Becky Lynch came out and congratulated her, which I thought they had good back and forth. And then Nia Jax showed up and attacked Becky Lynch from behind after Rhea Ripley and Dominic left. And she tore her apart until officials got involved before Nia Jax could hit that, uh, I think she calls it the Annihilator, that bonsai drop that she does. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we saw Nia Jax pick up the victory over Liv Morgan via disqualification. Liv Morgan started out on fire. But the match continues. I liked Nia Jax doing that stretch muffler into like the swinging stretch muffler into the the turnbuckle. I thought Mm -hmm. that was cool. But I liked this match because Liv Morgan, like in the Elimination Chamber, she went balls to the wall. Yeah. And and then the the DQ came about when Becky Lynch showed up and beat the hell out of Nia Jax. And that left Liv Morgan pissed off because, hello, this is my match. And she literally told Becky Lynch, not everything needs to be about you. So people think mm-hmm. Liv Morgan's turning heel soon. Becky Lynch is, is going to be facing Nia Jax next week on Monday Night Raw. I can only assume that Liv Morgan will get involved in that. And it kind of feels like they're pushing this uh, Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley into maybe a fatal four-way. Mm-hmm. With Nia Jax and Liv Morgan attached to that as well. I could be completely wrong in my thoughts there. Mm-hmm. It seems yeah. like that. I'm like torn because I I would wouldn't mind seeing Liv Morgan and, and Nia Jax in that because they have been building both of them up. Mm-hmm. But in the same sense, we've been waiting for Becky Lynch versus Rhea Ripley for years. So, I can't. Yeah, I guess so. Can't believe that it's been so long that we've been waiting for it. Yeah. You know. But next up, you had Sami Zayn taking on and defeating Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, this match, it was a good match. What? I but thought this was a great I match. Could, I couldn't get into it. Ah, that that's surprising. I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, it didn't do anything for me too much. Wow. Maybe I was just tired. I don't but... know. And I went into this thinking that Sami Zayn was going to be losing because he hasn't won in a couple of months. But it was, Mm -hmm. I thought it was very satisfying seeing a match like this on Monday Night Raw. Because this, we don't, I felt like we don't get matches like this every single week. Mm -hmm. So Sami Zayn actually picks up that victory. And he was interviewed later on and Gunther got into his face. It was a long match too. Yeah. But I don't feel like it dragged at all. Mm -hmm. Not like a uh, certain... Six man tag I'll talk about later on, but <laughs> oh boy, but uh, yeah, so it seems like Sami Zayn could be pers- uh, pushed into that that intercontinental championship match against Gunther at WrestleMania. 
Uh, it still feels like Chad Gable could be as well. Mm-hmm. We had, oh, we might yeah. as well talk about it right now with Gunther, where he addressed Go who he's going to be facing at WrestleMania. And he listed a bunch of names of people, of, of the, the wrestlers that people want him to be facing. And ultimately, this led to the Judgment Day coming out. And Damian Priest said that they plan on adding gold to their stable at WrestleMania. And, and Gunther's like, who the hell is going to step up? And it was Dominic who stepped up into Gunther's face. Which the, the crowd reaction off of that I thought was great. And then Damien Priest was held back. And I thought this was a good segment. So I, I don't yeah, know. And you don't know who's actually going to step up to Gunther still. Yeah, it's like maybe we'll see a, 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 a Gunther gauntlet. Maybe we'll see a, a multi-person match. I don't know. It should be interesting. Mm-hmm. But Rhea Ripley seemed very, very worried about Dominic stepping up the Gunther. Yeah. And then we saw him run into Andrade, who he's... Uh, Andrade said he's got a meeting with Adam Pierce to find out his first opponent. We don't know who that I opponent mean, he, is. And he always talks about how he lasted the Royal Rumble the longest, going from number one last year and everything. So maybe a gauntlet Gunther. would be fitting. Yeah, I mean, which I mean, it would be cool. Miz had that idea where where he would face a bunch of former Intercontinental champions, and then it would lead to him versus Warrior, but that didn't happen. So mm-hmm. it would be cool to to get them a bunch of former Intercontinental champions or or so. But I, at the same time, I don't necessarily need that because I want Chad Gable in the match. I mean, and that's what Chad Gable went into the office. He pitched he pitched that match again. And he's got reasoning for that match. Which I think nobody can really deny that. I mean, you saw his daughter bawling her eyes out. And I think that matchup alone shows the WWE business office that, you know what? It could work. Gable can go over him and the fans would eat it up. And just to continue everything with Judgment Day, we had R-Truth in the Judgment Day's locker room after they had left. And uh, DIY and The Miz showed up, and they want to get revenge on the Judgment Day. And uh, they were referred to as Regeneration X, which I think is funny because R-Truth, I mean, even they had that NXT clip on on Twitter where <laughs> R-Truth is giving a pep talk saying, this so, 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 somebody, I was going to say so-and-so, somebody reminds me of uh, Shawn Michaels, and then it turns out he's talking to Shawn Michaels, so I thought that was really funny. Uh, but this yeah. segment I thought was funny because R-Truth took his TV back. <laughs> it's funny that they've had that, that TV still. Yeah. And then, again, Imperium uh, picked up that victory over New Day in a street fight, which I thought was a fun match. I liked the gear that New Day wore. They like came prepared for an actual it's street same. fight. Yeah, they were wearing the San Jose Sharks uh, hockey jerseys. Yeah, and, and out of all of the street fight spots, I think the, the kendo stick ones were the best ones for me. Outside of the table spot yeah, that Xavier Woods did. I agree with did, that. I, I liked the, the, ken- the kendo sticks were like crazy, like hard hits. Mm-hmm. So, and I definitely, I didn't expect New Day to lose this, so I was that was completely unexpected for me. Yeah, I, it was just a good match though, but... 
After that, you had Baszler well, and Stark no, pick up the victory. I want to go back. Over, I got to yeah. go back because we, I skipped over Raquel Rodriguez. She picked up the victory over Chelsea Green. Uh, where Chelsea cut a promo beforehand. I think she's fantastic on the mic, and I would like to see her continue to do that. And she basically said that she would have gone to WrestleMania had Adam Pierce not added Raquel into the match last minute. Uh, mm. The match itself, Raquel picked up that victory pretty quickly. I think obviously Raquel was, was going to be the one winning this, but they still made a, a very entertaining match out of the time that they, they had. Yeah. But yeah, Shayna Baszler. Yeah, Baszler and Stark picked the victory over the way. Um, it was a good match. I was surprised that, I mean, the way I feel like you could definitely build off of the uh, PLE performance, but it was still a, a solid match. But Baszler, I love that mean side of her. But it's interesting because and Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark were annoyed that the way got a title shot, especially since they had a victory over them in January. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I 100% understand them being like, well, where the hell's our shot? Even for Roadblock next week, they're like, hello, where the hell's our shot? Why, are, mm-hmm. why is an NXT team getting a shot? Yeah. But this was over pretty quickly. I don't think it was a great night as far as matches go for the women. Like, as far as, like, t- how much time they were given. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the, the matches, but... Time-wise, they really got nothing. So, that was unfortunate. After that, Drew McIntyre came out, celebrated his victory uh, at the Elimination Chamber, but he was also, like, making fun of CM Punk. And then he called out Seth Rollins, and Drew McIntyre said that Seth Rollins shouldn't care about the bloodline. He should be focusing on him and their match at WrestleMania. And 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 I I love the fact that he just sits down in that pipe bomb. Yeah. Uh, he said, don't shoot up my, my, what did he say? Don't shoot up my, but... I don't want to say dress because it's not a dress. <laughs> oh yeah, he, yeah, he's killed. <laughs> I think he's killed. But even still, that was so, that was so great because he was just like, unfortunately at uh, uh, Elimination Chamber, I got injured and I ruptured my eardrum and this and that, but I'm not CM Punk. I'm still going to be wrestling. Like, I love that he's still going straight for CM Punk. <laughs> like this is the probably this is probably one of the best sides of Drew McIntyre that we've seen of him just being pure heel. And it's incredible. Yeah, and, and Seth Rollins in response to McIntyre saying that he shouldn't be caring about the bloodline said that taking down the bloodline is bigger than them and bigger than the World Heavyweight Championship in order for the World Heavyweight Championship to be bigger than that. They need to take the bloodline mm-hmm. down. So I thought that was interesting. Drew McIntyre ended up in a brawl later on with Jey Uso. So I uh, yeah. I I can't say Seth Rollins is wrong here, but I really wish there was more focus. Like I said earlier, even more focus on Bailey. Hmm. I could see that. Uh, this week we had some uh, wrestling legends pass away, unfortunately, and Michael Cole and Pat McAfee paid tribute on Monday Night Raw to Ole Anderson. He unfortunately passed away at the age of 81 this week. He was a founding member of the Four Horsemen, part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Uh, he was a booker of WCW in the, the 90s and 
One of the things that he booked was the infamous Shockmaster. He was actually the voice for Shockmaster as well. And uh, mm. much later on, when it came time for WWE, when they were inducting the Horsemen into the Hall of Fame, there's conflicting stories, but he apparently turned them down and wanted literally nothing to do with WWE. Whether or not there's uh, that's accurate, I don't know. There's also reports saying he wasn't asked. I don't know. There's been heat between him and the McMahons. So it's unfortunate that he's not part of the Hall of Fame, especially part of the Horsemen in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. We also lost Virgil this week. He passed away at the age of 61. Very, uh, very famously known as Ted DiBiase's bodyguard in WWE. He won the million-dollar championship from Ted DiBiase at SummerSlam 91, which came with a huge freaking pop from the crowd at Madison Square Garden. That was like a huge pop. Yeah. And then he went on... Big time. He went on to WCW and became a member of the NWO. He was also part of the West Texas Rednecks. Yeah, as Vincent. uh, And then Curly... Is it Curly Bill? But uh, we saw him return to WWE as a bodyguard for Ted DiBiase Jr. And he even wrestled a match. Uh, He wrestled in a tag team match against Big Show and Mark Feuerstein from Royal Pains. And uh, what was that Big Show movie? I can't remember what it was called. The movie that they did together. But I feel like he worked every indie show possible after WWE and, and WCW. And in later mm-hmm. years, he he was he blew up because he did the uh, the Joey Janela Spring Break shows. He did that Talk and Shop a Mania two show that they did, uh, and and literally, I mean, he's done everything. He was even he did some spots in AEW. Yeah, very sad. You know, I I, I mean, I remember watching Virgil as a kid, and I was I was a fan of Virgil because he was very athletic. He had such an athletic uh, built to him, and the stuff he was doing in the ring was really cool. And I remember distinctly watching him in these matches, and one that stands out is him versus Giant Gonzalez. <laughs> and I was rooting for Vincent and uh, Virgil, and I'm like, oh, this is great. I hope he wins. And, of course, silly me, uh, he put over Giant Gonzalez. But... I was a big, I was actually a fan of Virgil uh, back then. And, you know, it's very sad with him passing away. And, you know what? I'm really, on the other, I am really happy that in the recent years, Virgil has had such a up, uh, a resurfacing, yeah. a resurgence of his fame because for a long time he was known as Lonely Virgil with him. I mean, that the, I think that really followed him it everywhere, did. though. Oh, yeah, it definitely did. Like, he was known for that. But then I feel like this resurrection uh, with Joey Janela and everything like that, I feel like for him, like him as a person – that must have felt so good and welcoming to be known as somebody that wasn't always at the top and everything like that and to just be brought in appreciated by other wrestlers and then be appreciated by fans X amount of time from when he was with Million Dollar Man. I think that that probably meant the world to him and I think what Joey Janela was doing with him was incredible and very kind how he treated him with that. 
And I think that that was really awesome. You know, very, very cool. And I'm really happy that he had those, uh, those moments with the fans and everything. He was at the very first indie show that I went to in 2003. And I met him, got a signed 8x10. And then he approached me later on in the show to try to get me to buy more autographs from him. And uh, which I was 14 at the time, but I was like, I already got, I already got your autograph. And then years later, almost a decade later at uh, PWS, we were selling merch right across from him. And uh, I ended up getting my Jack specific classic superstar series two pack of him and Ted DiBiase signed, which is one of my favorite pieces. It looks, I think it looks fantastic. Ted signs it in green, Virgil signed it in pink. Um, That's cool. And I think you almost have to have a Virgil story to say you worked the indies anytime in the past, like 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. So go, go to the WWE network and, and celebrate Ole Anderson, celebrate Virgil. Go to, I mean, this is a very rare occasion. I'll say this, go to Olive Garden, go get yourself some meat sauce (laughs) from Olive Garden. (laughs) Celebrate, celebrate Virgil. So, uh, it's unfortunate, but, uh, and they paid tribute to him on the bump as well, and and also on AEW, mm-hmm. but uh, and same with Oli. But we saw after that on Monday Night Raw, Cody Rhodes in the main event picked up the victory over Grayson Waller, and Grayson Waller was interviewed before the match, and I thought that was really funny because Grayson Waller was like, "I did everything I could to protect Austin Theory at the at the Elimination Chamber," which. Like I mentioned before, simply it's just not true. So I thought that was really funny. And the bigger thing from this was that Paul Heyman was actually lurking in the background of that. Mm-hmm. As for the match itself, Austin Theory got involved. I thought it was a decent made event. I don't think it was like anything like nothing to write home about. But the, mm-hmm. the bigger stuff was really at the end when Paul Heyman showed up. Yeah, I was not expecting Heyman to show up at all. I don't know how. I mean, he posted it. He tweeted. I think he tweeted something like, on the way to Monday Night Raw, I think. Yeah, I, did, I didn't see any And of if you missed him during that backstage segment with Grayson Waller, then you wouldn't have maybe expected Paul. Well, they said it during the match, even. During the main event, they said, breaking news, Paul Heyman's here. Mm-hmm. So, But he came out with, quote-unquote, NYPD officers who were suspended from their jobs. Um <laughs> And then he told Cody Rhodes that he needs to take The Rock's name out of his mouth. And he wanted Cody to withdraw that challenge to him or else. And then the officers got in the ring and Cody was like, listen, if one more person gets in that ring, I'm going to drop everyone. And Paul's like, well, that obviously doesn't apply to me. And he went to get in the ring and Cody's like, eh, wrong. Takes the cops out. And then Paul Heyman ends Monday Night Raw saying call Roman and he takes out another phone with <laughs> the rock on his case call the rock and I thought that was such a, a funny like attention to detail sort of thing there because for mm-hmm. for years I guess at this point he's had that one case the bloodline or Roman Reigns or whatever and then he takes another one out call the rock so I thought that was funny and uh, yeah. Cody said the bloodline isn't hunting him I'm hunting them so I thought that was a great like End of the line delivery uh, for Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It definitely sets up everything, and I'm excited for everything to come. You know, that's yeah. for sure. 
Moving over to NXT, we saw Ilya Dragunov open the show where he called Carmelo Hayes out. And he mentioned stand and deliver. And Carmelo came out with security and spoke about how he used Ilya Dragunov. And I like this cocky version of Carmelo Hayes. And he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to pay any attention to you unless I see a contract. I'm just going to wait until later. So mm-hmm. we'll put a pin in that. The first match we saw Kiana James pick up the victory over Kalani Jordan. Where Izzy Dame gotten involved behind the referee's back, which was a crazy um, uh, apron bump spot over there, and it was pretty much over after yeah, that. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Kalani Jane, uh, uh, Kalani Jordan. Yeah, I think that she has such a bright future. You know, uh, Kiana James too, but and then I thought that. I was a fan of it. And then later on, JC Jane and Thea Hale were talking, and Jasmine Nix was there as well. And JC ends up calling Chase U a bunch of losers. So now we kind of see her true colors, and Thea Hale was sat there torn. And Kiana James shows up. She compliments JC on the calendar and everything that she, she, I mean, she saved Chase U. And then all four of them left together with Thea Hale just like torn. I mean, she, and then she was just, I think that what was the last thing she said, like she was questioning about feeling like a, like a loser. Yeah. You know, sad, but yeah, yeah. Got a feel for her, <laughs> but we'll see what happens with, uh, with that for sure. Yeah, after that, we saw the OC you know. pick up the victory over Idris and Ophi and Malik blade. I think it's been months since we've seen the OC wrestle, so it was nice to see them again. Yeah, I think so. You know, I thought that, I and mean, I was surprised that it wasn't just a squash match with the OC. Yeah, and Ophi and Blade look good against them. Yeah. I think the outcome uh, obvious, but they held their own. And then we saw yeah. we saw Chase U show was... up, threatened an ass whooping, and then Axiom and Nathan Fraser showed up. They were like, "We got next for the the titles." And then the LWO showed up and jumped the OC, which I really don't get the the LWO being there. But all the teams yeah. stood tall against the OC, and Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin stood above everyone, just looking at everything happening. And then yeah, just watching. Them. And the Wolf Dogs spoke to the OC later on. I thought they had some good back and forth banter. Hmm. I agree. But the the match after that. that, we saw Roxanne Perez pick up the victory over Jakara Jackson. This was her first singles match on live NXT television. So I thought that was... Really? I... Yeah. But uh, Lash, um, Lash got but involved. Perez picking up that victory. Yeah, Lash got involved, yeah. though, and, and the referee made her leave. And I expected it to be over right after that, but they continued until Roxanne made... Jakara tap out, and I'm not a fan of both of those women's matches having outside interference. I could see that. I mean, throughout the whole freaking night. Yeah. This episode pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could, I could understand. I know usually you don't like it when stuff like that takes place. One. So If you're going to have one, or if you're going to have two, opening and closing or something. Separate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Then we saw. I can understand that. We saw Dijak pick up the victory over Luca Crucifino, where Luca surprisingly sent Dijak across the commentary table towards the beginning of the match, which I thought this was like, this was like for me the breakout match for Luca, and I was not expecting any of that from him. Mm-hmm. Joe Gacy shows up after the match and was broken out of that straight jacket. Uh, I love this part. I like how he came down to the ring. And he was just swinging his arms, and Dijak was surprised of him coming down to the ring because he had him locked away. Yeah. Um, and then right away, they start to, well, actually... Crucifino um, clocked Dijak with that crowbar and sent him over the yeah, top. Yeah, the crowbar. And that, yeah. that sent him into a brawl with Joe Gacy. They continued on backstage later on, and it set up an asylum match for Roadblock next week. Um... Which Dijak tweeted saying he'll have to go study up on his Ambrose matches. I thought that was funny. Because I I don't know how yeah. many other Asylum matches. I feel like that was just Ambrose. I don't even know. But uh, Tony D'Angelo told Stax to, to go get him. But not now. Referring to Luca. I guess Luca wasn't supposed to use that crowbar. Perhaps. You think? I don't know. I feel like maybe that was like a Tony D'Angelo thing. Oh. I don't know. Okay. I could I could understand that. We saw Lyra Valkyria come out, and she said when Shotzi is back, she owes her a title shot. She put Lash Legend over for the match last week. And then she also said that she made Tatum a promise, and Tatum held her own on that promise that her end of the bargain. So she called Tatum out and Tatum's like, I'll do anything for you. Obviously she's playing that up. And Lyra said that she spoke to Ava and got her and Tatum a tag match next week. And not just any tag match. I already alluded to it. It'll be against the Kabuki warriors. (laughs) And I don't know how many favors. I mean, like how many phone call favors does she have to call in to get the Kabuki warriors? She didn't yeah, earn that's a huge match. Like she didn't earn a title match. So that goes back to Shayna Baszler and Zoe Stark being pissed off. Like, hello, we're here. What? What? This is a random team. You won one match or so. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even. I don't remember if they won a match. But after that, the the segment comes to an end because Ridge Holland interrupted, and he asked them to to leave, which I thought was a bit rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but. Ridge spoke, and then the lights go out. And uh, the gimmick that has been airing week after week started. The one that everyone was like, oh my god, it's Okada. The one that I thought everyone was saying also, Tamatanga. And then, boom. Ridge gets hit from behind with a steel chair. A spotlight comes up, and goddamn Ty Dillinger takes his hood off. And returns to NXT and I'm like oh Ty Dillinger that was fantastic I thought that was a great return and then to my surprise Vic Joseph called him Sean Spears and he's Sean Spears now I think the last time Sean Spears was on television for WWE was like as Sean Spears was 2007 I think for for an episode wow. of Sunday Night Heat <laughs> against Super And I, I was a big fan of this chair shot. I was a big fan of this involvement. Yeah, I, I thought this was great. The one thing I just, oh, I can't stand because I can already see the writing on the wall. He's going to have that goofy 
chair dance entrance that I hated in AEW. I hated that chair stuff in AEW. I liked the chair stuff. I liked him. I don't know. He looked like he was doing Broadway shows. I thought that was the goofiest thing. The the goofiest part of his presentation in AEW. So I really, truly, truly hope that that his entrance from AEW does not follow him here. Mm -hmm. So Sean Spears is back. Uh, He said that he laid out Ridge Holland because Ridge has been lying to himself. And we'll find out more next week at Roadblock. Mm-hmm. And hopefully this means that in like 2025 or so, we'll see the Iconics back. Yeah. After that, we saw yeah, cool. Von Wagner pick up the victory over Lexus King. Uh, I kind of feel like Lexus controlled uh, way more of this than I thought he was going to. And uh, mm-hmm. we saw Lexus King push Von Wagner into Robert Stone at one point. And Stone got up on the apron and Von Wagner got a quick victory. And then Lexus King attacked him afterwards, but Robert Stone jumped in. He ends up getting got. This was more outside interference, though. Yeah, a lot of outside interference, as you're mentioning. It happens in the next freaking match. Yeah. <laughs> Jada Parker picks up the victory over Gigi Dolan. Stems from a backstage segment that took place earlier in the day. Ariana Grace came out, tried to get them to stop fighting. The match itself, I thought, was a good back-and-forth match, but Ariana Grace ends up grabbing Gigi right in front of the freaking referee, and there was no disqualification. It just led to Gigi losing the match. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. The freaking main event had had outside interference. Before that, though, they aired a uh, a vignette of a a beach and a wave that that when it washed up, it said, see you soon. So I have to assume that Sol Ruka is coming back soon, which is great. I'm hoping that's what it's it's been a while. I believe she's been doing uh, live events for NXT. So I'm looking forward to seeing her back. I really hope. I I mean, I saw that her moves weren't in the new moves list for 2K24. I hope Mm -hmm. somehow it gets added because that her. RKO, I forget what she calls it. It's fantastic. But the main event of NXT saw Charlie Dempsey pick up the victory over Noam Dar to win the Heritage Cup. Charlie Dempsey got the victory in the first round, uh, the or the first fall, I should say, in round one. And Damon Kemp shows up, hits Noam Dar with a cheap shot after that round, which I did not even notice until they pointed it out later on. And then Noam Dar... He ties it up in round four, and then we see Miles Bourne. He attacks Oro Mensa. Damon Kemp gets involved. Drew Gulak gets involved. And Charlie Dempsey takes advantage of all of that outside interference to pick up that victory. And I think Charlie Dempsey is too good to win the cup after all. Like, to win the cup off of outside interference, I think he's too good for that. I understand what you're saying, but I I understand I I think that it's okay to have the outside interference and everything like that. But I definitely match understand what you're match, trying to though, say with it. That was for yeah, me, that I, was the most it was annoying overdone. part of NXT this week. That's true. It was overdone a lot, but I am happy that he is the Heritage Cup winner, though. I I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn on it. I'm not mm-hmm. disappointed that Charlie Dempsey is champion, though. I'm I'm looking forward to this run. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it'll lead, but we know he's the son of William Regal, so 
hopefully it's like a a really lengthy good run. Yeah. To close out NXT, we saw Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes have a contract signing where the D'Angelo showed up. And Tony had Carmelo Hayes' security leave. And he said, I'm the one who wants to take the title from Ilya Dragunov. It's not going to be Carmelo. I earned everything. I'm willing to do everything for Stand and Deliver. And now next week... Instead of getting Ilya Dragunov versus Carmelo Hayes, it's now Carmelo Hayes versus Tony D'Angelo at Roadblock with the winner getting a title shot at Stand and Deliver where Ilya Dragunov agreed to it. Mm -hmm. We saw Carmelo Hayes push Tony into Ilya and then he put Tony D'Angelo through that table. And I think the only outcome for that match next week has to be Tony because Stand and Deliver to me still has to be Carmelo versus Trick. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I do think I that see, uh... Ilya's opponent for Stand and Deliver should have been a bigger name. But mm-hmm. whatever, we'll see how the match goes. I'm fine with Tony D'Angelo getting that shot, and we'll see how Melo gets versus a uh, match versus Trick. So that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. The bloodline opened, and Roman Reigns kept wanting the fans to acknowledge him, and they just kept booing. And he wanted to leave, but then Paul Heyman took the microphone and said that The Rock will be out after the commercial break. The Rock, earlier in the day, by the way, cut a 20-plus minute promo on Instagram, tearing Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins apart, but The Rock came out... (laughs) Said the wildest stuff in this promo about Arizona. And he turned Cody's one-on-one offer down and then challenged him and Seth Rollins to a tag team match for night one at WrestleMania where if Seth and Cody win, the Bloodline are banned from ringside for night two. And if they win, then it's Bloodline rules for night two at WrestleMania I have to assume that we'll see bloodline rules at WrestleMania. Uh, And The Rock also made it very clear that there's nobody in the back alluding to Triple H and everybody else that could stop him. And I think that's going to lead to Stone Cold Steve Austin getting involved at WrestleMania, which I think is really cool. But Roman Reigns interrupted The Rock and said he needs The Rock to do one thing for him. He needs The Rock to acknowledge him, which The Rock obviously did. The feed kept cutting in and out during this, which sucked, and they kept censoring the crowd. Apparently, the, the feed was cutting in and out because they were they were showing die, Rocky, die signs. But The Rock ends this segment again when they were all doing the throwing up the ones to acknowledge the tribal chief, throws up the L. And Paul Heyman stared at him when he was doing that. So... I thought this was a great segment. Crazy that it was 40 minutes. But I feel like The Rock and Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins could be the opening of night one. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But Tiffany Stratton, the first match, picked up a victory over Naomi. The crowd was super behind Tiffany Stratton here. I liked the the springboard X-Factor that Naomi did. The match itself was kind of short. 
And I feel like a majority of it was spent out on the apron. And I would not have booked this match after Tiffany Stratton literally just beat Naomi at the, the Elimination Chamber. If you want Tiffany Stratton to go over, book it about against somebody else. And then that match we see afterwards, see uh, Kabuki Warriors versus Dakota Kai and Bayley was supposed to be for the Tag Team Championships ends in a no contest. The Kabuki Warriors attack Bayley to start the match. And I definitely do wish the match was longer. I get the whole everything in the match where Bayley goes for the hot tag. Dakota Kai dropped off the apron, which is exactly what I thought would happen. And it's it's exactly why we need Bailey versus Io Sky in that main event inside a Hell in a Cell for night one at WrestleMania. It's going to be very disappointing when A, it's not inside a Hell in a Cell and B, it's not the main event. And I think Bailey 100% deserves that. I think that's the a way bigger story. We've it, It's been not brewing, but we've seen this group form at SummerSlam the other year. I think this is much bigger than a a tag team match with The Rock and Roman Reigns. They could easily be like, we want this match over with already. We want to go on first. We don't want to be here at WrestleMania night one. I think that's the road they should take and have Bayley actually get that main event WrestleMania match. But we saw Bayley go after Dakota Kai. Damage control got her. And... That was basically the end of that segment. Damage Control stood tall, and backstage we saw them walking. They walked right into Jade Cargill. Jade go went into a, a meeting with Nick Aldis. After that, Braun Breaker picked up the victory over Zion Quinn. One spear. That was it. Zion Quinn was a free agent that uh, did not get drafted last year. So, I don't even remember the last time we saw Zion Quinn... Um, they aired a, a segment with Legato Del Fantasma at a restaurant talking about the LWO and how they need to eradicate them. And it leads into the match with Carlito picking up the victory over Santos Escobar in a street fight. Kudos to both of them for showing up in street gear. Although Santos was a bit more flashy, but it was really funny at one point. The crowd was chanting for, we want, they were chanting, we want apples instead of we want tables. Not a chant I think I've heard before, but Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo got involved. The LWO ran down. They got taken out, and Rey Mysterio returned. That was a big surprise. He returned on crutches. He ended up using them to take out Angel Garza and Humberto, and then he ends up hitting the 619 on on Santos Escobar, and Carlito put Escobar through a table to pick up that victory. Earlier in the night, we saw uh, Austin Theory and Grayson Waller watching back footage of Elimination Chamber. They were laughing about it. And LA Knight walked in. He was looking for AJ Styles. He ended up leaving. And then Randy Orton showed up from behind and, like, joked about it and thought it was, like, very sarcastically so funny and challenged either one of them to a match. And... (laughs) Grayson Waller offered up Austin Theory, which Theory was not happy about. Um, We also saw Nick Aldis telling LA Knight that he told AJ Styles not to be there. 
But LA Knight put him on notice. But the main event saw Randy Orton pick up the victory over Austin Theory. Kevin Owens did commentary for this, having an absolute ball on commentary. Um, Randy Orton ends up dropping Grayson Waller on the commentary table. I liked that Austin Theory was able to reverse that RKO the first time. I like when he hit the blockbuster. Kevin Owens pointed out that Randy Orton's had shoulder problems and it was smart to hit that. But the end of the match, we saw uh, Austin Theory go for that that slingshot move, went right into an RKO. I thought that was a fantastic RKO spot. And Randy Orton picks up the victory there. Kevin Owens ends up attacking Grayson Waller afterwards because Grayson Waller knocked down Randy Orton. So Kevin Owens lays uh, Austin Theory out with a stunner, goes to hit a, a stunner on... Um, on Grayson Waller, but Grayson Waller ends up getting dropped by an RKO. I thought it was a great close to SmackDown. And uh, that's SmackDown going to take a quick little break, and I'll be right back here on Marking Out. This is Austin Theory, and you're listening to Marking Out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out episode 682. AW Rampage last week saw Brian Keith team up with Commander and Penta to pick up the victory over Matt Seidel and Private Party, as well as Top Flight and Action and Treddy. I don't know outside of Top Flight if those two teams are just randomly thrown together or what. I don't know if they've been teaming. I don't remember them teaming together. I could be completely wrong. But I enjoyed the match. I thought the stuff with Brian Keith and Darius was good. It was a little tiny bit of the match, but I thought I liked that part That part of the match. Uh, I think they relied a lot on the outside, though. So it had a few of, like, the fall-down spots. And I don't know if that was, like, do you really need more than one of those spots? In a, in a match on TV like that. After that, we saw the outcasts interviewed. I, I really thought this was a bad segment. And then it led to Soraya announcing that Zack Knight is now signed to AEW. But the takeaway from this was that Soraya wanted Ruby to date him. And that's why she did everything she did. To Ruby and Angelo. And Harley wants to date Soraya's whole family. And then we saw Ruby respond later on. I I really don't care about this dating storyline. At all. We saw the Young Bucks pick up the victory over Cappuccino Jones. And Johnny Lyons. I think that's really all that needs to be said about that. Tony Schiavone got an Amazon gift card, which uh, is a nice thing to have. But uh, storyline, really, it just it's not what I want at all. We saw Mariah May pick up the victory over Anna Jay. I don't know if Mariah May has been injured, but so far she has not been used to how I thought she was going to be used. And how she maybe should be used. Because you could have all these wins. I think wrestling three times in 50 days when you're trying to build somebody up. I don't think that's great. 
But I thought this was a well-worked match. I I don't know if they're going to do a, a storyline with Anna Jay losing. Maybe she'll go on some sort of losing streak or something and work her way back up. I, I don't know how that's going to work, but I I want more from Mariah May. Maybe after Revolution, we'll see this like really like boom and and go to where I thought it was going to be, given how she was brought in. Main event saw Roderick Strong pick up the victory over Jake Hager. Hager came out with a bull mascot. And uh, I, I thought for sure that it was going to be Orange Cassidy under there. But he showed up during the match with the purple hat for Jake Hager. And um, I don't know. That spot seemed like a turning point in the match where you would have expected Jake Hager to, to win. But he still lost. AW Collision saw Powerhouse Hobbs pick up the victory over Sammy Guevara in a no DQ match, which the the setup was from Rampage. And I I get they used weapons and everything. This was a no DQ match, but do you do you really need another no DQ match when you just it was the week after Sammy wrestled Jeff Hardy in one? Is he going to be in a, a no DQ match every week now? Maybe that's his thing. I don't know. The, I mean, the match was good. They used a lot of tables during this. Like a, a lot of tables. I was not expecting all those table spots. And uh, it was even factored into the, the finish of the match with that world's strongest slam from the middle rope. From Hobbs through the table. Great finish. Uh, and overall, like I said, it was a, it was an enjoyable match. After that, FTR picked up the victory over Shane Taylor Promotions. This had some iffy spots, but I think overall it was okay. The main focus was FTR afterwards cutting a promo about Revolution and the Blackpool Combat Club. I almost feel like this is what their last storyline was with House of Black, where... They're kind of like chasing that that victory. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's all wrestling. That's stupid for me to say. I don't know. It just seems like it's super parallel. After that, Thunder Rosa picked up the victory over Lady Bird Monroe. The crowd was very weird for this match. And I think the biggest thing uh, to note was Thunder Rosa holding up her fist like LFI. And, and we've heard Roosh, I believe we've heard Roosh, talk about wanting a woman in the group. So, it seems like that's where it's leading to. And if, if they can do it where it's not Legato or LWO, then I think that's fine. But I... I don't know where it's going to go lead to. I don't know where LFI has been. They have to be on TV for people to be invested in Thunder Rosa joining LFI. So again, maybe after Revolution, we'll see that. We saw Billy Gunn, Colton Gunn, and Jay White pick up the victory over the Iron Savages and Jacked Jameson. Caster... Forgot his rap, so it kind of seems like they're going to stop having him do that, maybe. 
Uh, they even mentioned it on Dynamite. But this was such an indie show match. And there were antics in this that I would not have put on television. I would have perfectly, I would have been perfectly fine putting it on an indie show, but not necessarily TV. And after that match, we saw Malachi Black pick up the victory over Brian Keith, which I wouldn't have put Brian Keith in this match at all. Or I wouldn't have put him in that random trios tag match on, on Rampage. To me, there's no reason to have matches on back-to-back nights. Wildly different matches. I I feel like it, it doesn't do anything for the person like Keith, Brian Keith. And I think it's crazy that Malachi Black hasn't had a singles match in almost two years. That's insane. So it was very nice to see that. And I enjoyed the match. I just, you you do this one, you don't do the other one. You do that one, you don't do this one. Mark Briscoe showed up afterwards and he attempted to use that, uh, that railroad spike, but Malachi Black moved. And then the House of Black took him out and FTR literally couldn't care less. They were nowhere to be found. They were in a different storyline. Still have absolutely no clue how that makes sense. We saw Serena D pick up the victory over Lady Frost. Great match. Apparently, Kiara Hogan was supposed to be in this match, but she was sick. So that's unfortunate, but Lady Frost stepped up. I'm a big fan of Lady Frost. She's proven herself big time on TV. And she's been very entertaining in her matches. Um, And the crowd, I think, sucked for this kind of also. And I was, at that point, I was starting to think maybe there just weren't people there. There was like no crowd reaction, which was so weird. But afterwards, we saw Serena Deeb cut a a very lengthy promo that could have been beyond shortened, uh, just issuing an open challenge to everyone. That was like a short and sweet thing. You could be like, "I'm, I'm issuing an open challenge to everyone. I'm here to put wrestling back in all elite wrestling. Not a four minute, whatever it felt like four minutes. I don't know. Simple. After that, the main event saw Brian Danielson pick up the victory over Jun Akiyama, which they did air a video package earlier in regards to this match, which is 100% what they needed. And they also had Brian explaining everything in an interview. So if you're still out there making fun of people who asked for a TV show to explain the stuff on their TV show, then I feel like you are coming off as the idiot. This is something that should have happened when they announced the match, even probably before they announced the match. You can't expect people to remember Junakiyama from two years ago if they're not following outside wrestling. You can't expect somebody to Google something. People watch a TV show for TV show, not for homework. That's literally how TV works. Eddie Kingston, and that just proves, because they put that video package, that just proves that everyone who had that excuse was valid. It makes sense. Eddie Kingston did commentary for this. The match itself I thought was kind of slow. I didn't overly 
uh, mind that. Is that the right word? Overly? But I feel like the way people hype this up, I had way too high of expectations for this match. I, I still think it was nice during the match. It was nice to have a referee that was actually officiating. And Brian Danielson, we end the match. He shakes his hand afterwards. And Brian was disrespectful to Eddie Kingston. So June Akiyama slapped Brian Danielson. So what did Brian Danielson do? He kicked him below the belt. And then Eddie Kingston jumped in and, and Claudio jumped in. FTR came out, which they love their big brawls in AEW. Over on AEW Dynamite, it opens up with Hangman because there were internet rumors that swirled about Hangman being injured, which I addressed it last week as there was like an almost instant update that said he was completely fine. And it was just storyline. So Hangman comes out, uh, with he's walking with a crutch on the wrong side as for whatever reason, Everybody, no matter what freaking promotion, they use the crutch, even though they have top-notch medical staffs, they have the crutch on the wrong side. I I don't understand how that's... uh, You have top-notch doctors. Not one doctor is going to be like, oh, his right ankle is injured. That goes under the left arm. But I know that's such like a, a minute thing that wrestling fans aren't going to notice unless they know that's how crutches work. So, obviously, that happens in Hangman's. He's playing it up. Oh, I'm injured. I can't compete at, at Revolution. Obviously, I know that's not true because he's got the goddamn crutch on the wrong side. He's wearing a goddamn cowboy boot. If your ankle's injured, how are you pulling up a cowboy boot? But he says he's not competing. Swerve shows up. Basically said he's going to become champion. And then Samoa Joe came out and said he'll become. uh, Not he'll become. He'll win. And Swerve reiterated all the stuff that he's done in the past. Like breaking into into the house. and, And bloodying Nick Wayne. And I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that portion of that segment. Hangman though attacks him with the crutch, and um, I don't know. I feel like that was kind of predictable. I just wish that crutch was on the other side for every company. First match of the evening saw the Blackpool Combat Club pick up the victory over FTR and Eddie Kingston. This was all over the place. No referee control at times. And I thought it was a pretty decent match if you take all that out. Uh, And the only thing that I really would have wished for this was for it to be shorter. This was a super long match. We saw Will Ospreay come out because they wanted to make it official even though he already signed a contract. On a pay-per-view, he, what I'll say, rambled on. And the Don Callis family came out. And Don Callis talked the family up. He made Takeshita and Will Ospreay shake hands. And they did the the gimmick where 
you go to pull away and they pulls him back in and then you go to pull away and you get pulled back in. That leads to their their match on Revolution that I still I still don't understand completely, but the fans were super behind Will Ospreay here. They were not behind the Don Callis family at all. After that, we saw Orange Cassidy pick up the victory over Nick Wayne to retain the international championship. And I do not understand why this match took place, why there was an open challenge for this champion. I literally, championship, I just spoke last week about his matches against the United Kingdom, not United, Undisputed Kingdom, and how I thought they were going to be title shots. And then I like reevaluated it in my head. And I'm like, oh, well, it makes sense that they're not for the title because Roderick Strong has that championship match on Sunday. Why would you have an open challenge if you have that match set in stone? People are going to be like, oh, card subject to change. That's goofy. That's a predictable, uh, preventable thing, not predictable, very preventable. Uh, also, when Nick Wayne's music hit, there was zero crowd reaction. I don't know if if people just didn't realize it was Nick Wayne. They did not react at all until Christian showed up. And really, from this match, the only thing you have to note was that the patriarchy got booted from ringside. The Undisputed Kingdom showed up, only to get beat up by the best friends. And then... Daniel Garcia showed up. This was a very, very messy, clunky segment. And Roderick Strong jumped Orange Cassidy afterwards. And now I don't even, like, I thought for sure Roderick Strong was winning that title on Sunday. Now I don't think he will be. But we saw Sky Blue pick up the victory over Chris Statlander. I like this match. I I did not think that Chris Statlander was going to lose. And after Stokely introduced that chain that she turned down, I figured, well, that was probably it for Chris Statlander. And with the referee, for some reason, the referee turns all his attention to the outside. Instead of the actual match inside, he's distracted Julia Hart gets in the ring, clocks her with that championship. I just feel like the referee looks stupid there. So Sky Blue picks up the victory there. Uh, And then Chris Jericho picked up the the victory over Atlantis Jr. Where they aired a video package earlier in the night explaining why this took place. Because Chris Jericho over 30 years ago had something with Atlantis, his father. But at the same time, like, that's fantastic that they did that. I explained that before. That's TV. You want that for TV. That's perfect for TV. People don't know who Atlantis Jr. is. They don't know who Atlantis is. You put a TV video package. People know who they are now. It explains who they are. But they also, at the same time, I don't understand why this took place. Why would you randomly bring Chris Jericho back? to television for a random match against Atlantis Jr. and not have him care about the reason why he's been off television for weeks. I I, I don't understand that at all. In this segment with the Don Callis family, Chris Jericho just doesn't care. 
There's no mention of why Chris Jericho was out even. How does that make sense? I I did not understand that at all. It was cool to see Atlantis on, on AEW television. Chris Jericho playing it up as a heel. Literally, <laughs> that blew my mind. Because what that made that made literally my thought like everything with my thoughts on him and the Don Cowles family and how he literally got his ass kicked, booted from TV for for weeks, and then he co- comes back in this random match and, and plays it up as a heel. I I was so confused by that, and I thought the the match itself was messy. I thought it was really cool to see this match though. I'm used to seeing stuff like that when I watch CMLL matches. But uh, Atlantis ended up throwing in the towel when Jericho locked in the line tamer. And then Jericho checked in on Atlantis after the match. They all raised each other's hands. The match was fine. I just, this was to me indie booking because why did he not? There was no explanation as to why Jericho wasn't caring about the, the Don Cal's family. And now he's in a random scramble match at the pay-per-view. That was goofy. That was the main event. Throughout the night, we saw the Young Bucks looking for Sting. They kept coming up short, and then they finally made their way to the ring, and they had a bunch of fans in front of them wearing Sting masks, One of them turned out to be Darby Allen, who attacked the Young Bucks, and the Young Bucks got the better of him. They called out for Ric Flair to come down. Ric Flair turned on the Young Bucks. That whole segment there was embarrassing. And he got low blowed, and then Sting's music finally hits. They go up to meet him at the entrance ramp, and you're thinking, oh, well, obviously Sting, I mean, this is my thought at least, was they probably can't find him because where the hell Sting normally? He's probably up in the, in the rafters. So they go up to the ra- to the ramp. They have that shot where they're facing the camera. The they're, they're facing the entrance ramp. You you see from behind Sting falls down from the rafters, and uh, I thought it was obvious, but cool to see Sting do that again. I I don't know why they wouldn't save that for the actual pay-per-view, but this was billed as Sting's last time on Dynamite. He got the, the, I guess maybe the one up there on the Young Bucks. I really don't want to see him at this point. I don't want to see the Young Bucks win, I should say. But AW Revolution taking place this weekend at the Greensboro Coliseum in Greensboro, North Cackalack. We got a bunch of matches. There might even be more matches announced. There's just one women's match announced so far. But I'll go up. You got the scramble match. I'm sure it'll be, well, not I'm sure. It's going to be announced more after this this show's already out. Who's Who else is in the match? We got Jericho. Wardlow, Powerhouse, Lance Archer, Hook, Brian Cage, and then two other opponents where the the winner receives an AEW World Championship match. I I don't even... 
I can't even like fathom <laughs> fathom a guest. I mean, I mean Wardlow. But Wardlow's whole storyline is building himself back up. And how does this make sense with rankings? I don't get it, but I'll pick Wardlow. I don't know. You got FTR taking on the Blackpool Combat Club. I'm going to say the Blackpool Combat Club here. For the AWTNT Championship, Christian Cage defending the title against Daniel Garcia. It seems like Daniel Garcia will take the title. I'm going to say Daniel Garcia. Will Ospreay taking on Kanosuke Takeshita. I'm going to say Will Ospreay. Unless Takeshita wins because Don Callis is Don Callis and turns on Will Ospreay. For the Continental Crown Championship, where if Brian Danielson loses, he'll have to shake Eddie Kingston's hand. Eddie Kingston puts that title against the line, up on on the line. And I'm going to say Eddie Kingston retains. I really hope he retains. And then Brian Danielson obviously has got to shake Eddie Kingston's hand. For the AEW Women's Championship, Timeless Tony Storm defends the title against Deanna Perrazzo. I will say Deanna Perrazzo. And then hopefully the women's division like really picks up and we see a lot more from it. Uh, for the International Championship, Orange Cassidy defending the title against Roderick Strong. I'm going to say Roderick Strong, but I feel like I'm wrong at this point. And then for the AEW World Championship, Samoa Joe defending the title against Hangman and Swerve. I am going to say Samoa Joe. And Samoa Joe wins over Adam Page. And Swerve somehow still gets another title shot and then dethrones Joe perhaps. And then the one match that everyone is there to actually see, which will be Sting's retirement match. Until you say never, say never. For the AEW World Tag Team Championships, Sting and Darby Allin defend the titles against the Young Bucks. And uh, I, I mean, I don't want to see a tournament for... I don't want to see a tournament in general, but I kind of feel like, I don't know. I don't want to see the Young Bucks win, like I said before. So I'm going to say Sting and Darby Allen, and then they vacate the championships. Or maybe maybe Sting suggests a partner for Darby, and Darby goes on as tag team champions with another partner. Maybe. And then Sting retires, big celebration, Greensboro Coliseum, everybody's crying. They they got their money's worth, they're happy. They go home and they remember that they just saw one of the greatest professional wrestlers in the history of professional wrestling retire. And uh and it and hopefully it doesn't end with the young bucks on top. <laughs> So that is AEW Revolution. Hey, Brandon, got any shoutouts? Hey there, Hiff. We should listen to Brandon's shoutouts. The first shoutout goes to Blackberry, which is a biographical comedy drama that is loosely based on a book about the Blackberry founders. Have you heard about this at all? No. What's this about? It's on Hulu. It stars Jay Baruchel and Glenn Howardin as the founders of Blackberry. 
And I, uh, I just okay. saw that they were in it, and I clicked on to watch it. I didn't even realize it was about like the actual BlackBerry phone right away. But it was cool uh-huh. to see and like relive the rise of BlackBerry phones because I definitely remember hmm. a time before phones like that. And obviously we lived in that moment of time. And I mean, we far surpassed that, that time now. So I thought mm-hmm. that was a really cool movie to watch. There's also a scene where they're watching, uh, they live. So it was cool to see Roddy Piper pop up there. Ah, uh, that's yeah. That's funny. Uh, my next shout out goes to biography, WWE legends, Randy Orton. Uh, I thought this was like, it, completely blows rivals out of the water i don't i really don't like that rival show most of it is just mm-hmm. reused clips yeah i don't i don't like it either it's too i feel like it's too I'm, it's I'm just scripted, most of it is it, most of it is just reused clips yeah so that it's kind more, of mostly like just a rewatch of stuff renee yeah. paquette was on it and she was uh i think it, like it must have been like 30 minutes or so before she even spoke a sentence but the the biography of Randy Orton I thought was it was great it was cool to see all the interviews from people like Bob Orton Jr. Jim Cornette was on there Santino was on there Edge Mark Henry as well uh, and then it was cool just seeing Randy Orton going through his gear and each piece of gear that he picked up led to like a different chapter of the biography mm-hmm. so it's like kind of like goofy in the setup there but I thought that was like really well done. Mm. To have him speak about everything. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to everything else that they have with this this biography series. My last shout out goes to Richard Lewis, who unfortunately passed away this week at the age of 76. I think he was a fantastic stand-up comedian. I always wanted to see him perform live, but it just never lined up. I He was always like performing at Caroline's, and I knew that... If you would go to Caroline's, you're more than likely to be able to meet them afterwards. But it just, mm-hmm. it never, ever lined up for me. And I really, really, really wish I could have gotten to see him perform live. Um, that would have been cool. I probably first knew him from Seventh Heaven. He was the rabbi on Seventh Heaven. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, you might have first probably known him from Robin Hood Men in Tights, perhaps? Um, Maybe. I feel like I've seen him before that. Um, just as a comic, I feel like I've seen him before that, mm. but because I recognized him when I saw the movie at the time, Oh, but very sad, you know, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's a while back and but I don't think he died um, from Parkinson's. No, he, no, he didn't, he didn't pass away from Parkinson's. He passed away from a heart attack. Yeah. Um, and just very, very sad. And he, he probably at this point most well known as playing the fictionalized version of himself on Curb Your Enthusiasm and that's what made me a fan of his and I thought his scenes with Larry were always so perfect where they'd get into these arguments and like contests like whose colon was better (laughs) and I always thought that was like it's like such a a funny like dynamic that they had together and literally the craziest thing that, that happened on an episode of Curb last week was he and Larry arguing about his will and Richard putting him in his will and and Larry's like, I don't want any of it. And Richard's like, no, you're going in my will. You got everything. So I thought that was really crazy. And I'm just, I'm really happy that he got to do more on this season. Last season, he wasn't able to do much on it. 
So I'm yeah. really happy that they got him on this. Go look up clips on YouTube and watch his stand-up. Go watch his appearances on, on all the talk shows. And just go on, on Max and, and YouTube. I'm sure there's tons of clips from Curb Your Enthusiasm of Richard Lewis. Mm-hmm. So it's such a shame. Those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for our... Right, our mark out moment of the week. What do you got? The mark out moment of the week for me, I will have to go with the Elimination Chamber. Um, I definitely marked out for a lot of the Elimination Chamber match itself. Uh, I think I I marked out for the spots with Tiffany Stratton, uh, Stratton, marked out for... The spots with Logan Paul, that, that, that RKO out of nowhere, was a really cool spot that I marked out for. Um, yeah, I pretty much marked out for that event in total. How about you? Uh, well, I guess I could say Sean Spears making his return to NXT. I just, like I said, it was so yeah. well done. I'm so happy that, that it wasn't spoiled at all. So yeah, that too. That was nice. Uh, some WWE 2K24 stuff dropped this this week. Um, we know that we can throw fireballs now, which is pretty cool. And I can't That's wait awesome. to do that. They announced the full DLC, kind of. There's one pack that didn't get fully announced, and I'm very confused by it. But the first pack is CM Punk, the Dudley Boys, Sandman making his freaking return after years, Terry Funk, uh, the next pack we have Post Malone, Sensational Sherry making her debut in the in the game as an actual uh, roster member. She was previously a manager. The Headbangers, who have not appeared in a WWE video game in maybe twenty four years, I'm like beyond excited for for the Headbangers. Honky Tonk Man's in the pack as well as a manager of Jimmy Hart. There's another pack that says Pat McAfee and his and playable co hosts. And if it turns out to be his actual co-host from the Pat McAfee show, then I think that's an absolute huge miss. That's going to be bummer. I think that's a huge miss of a DLC pack. If it turns out to be like Michael Cole, Corey Graves, Byron Saxon, somebody else, then I think that's fine. Yeah. But if it's his actual co-host as, a, as an actual pack of DLC, that's trash. No, it's stink. And then uh, the final pack, they're all like super spread out, which all the way to November, which is so goofy. Oh, that's actually the second to last pack. But they have Jade Cargill, Nia Jax, Michelle McCool, Carlito, Kyrie Sane, Lyra Valkyria, and Dragon Lee in a pack. And that, that final pack all the way in November is Diamond Dallas Page. It's billed as WCW, which is goofy because Iron Sheik appears in it, as does mm-hmm. Mr. Perfect. And I, I, Iron Sheik was in WCW for like a quick, quick moment. I can't even remember him in WCW. Beyond a flash in the pan. <laughs> and uh, Lex, uh, I mean, Mr. Perfect, obviously. Mr. Perfect was not Mr. Perfect in WCW. So that's weird. No, yeah. Lex Luger's in the pack. And literally, one of the the characters that I have been wanting for years is Great Muda. Mm-hmm. So Great Muda is in that final pack. It just really sucks that we have to wait until November because at that point, the next game comes out four months later. 
That's so, so lame. Yeah, so that really sucks. But I, if you take out that Pat McAfee, like, question mark of a pack, I'm very pleased with this DLC. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a really fun game. Hopefully there's no glitches. There, There's obviously going to be glitches. And I think that some of these people from DLC packs should have already been in the game. And I think Naomi and Andrade very much so could have made it to like a final pack or mm-hmm. so. But overall, I am very happy with that. Von Wagner and Robert Stone not being in it is beyond goofy. But... Uh, Another markout moments, two of them come from the the Tonight Show. One night you saw Joe Magniello on the Tonight Show and he was talking about his dog, a little tiny dog, and then uh, he was like, oh, the dog could be our mascot like uh, for for game night or whatever, like the British Bulldogs had. So I thought that was Mm -hmm. cool. And then Robin Wright was on uh, the, the Tonight Show this week as well, and she was talking about Andre the Giant and being in The Princess Bride with him, so I thought that was pretty cool to to get that. So, nah. But ultimately, those are the mark-out moments of the week, and that is episode 682. Thank you so much for listening. You could follow us at Marking Out, BTTG161 on all platforms, Chris Sweendog, CM Sweeney 85 Twitter and Instagram, David PTDPT on all platforms, Facebook.com slash Marking Out. YouTube and Instagram is Marking Out 11, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out. Use that code MADNESS24. Uh, Marking Out on TikTok, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com, and we wish you the... the- Of luck in your future endeavors. Have a fantastic week.